This is the Victory Life Today podcast with Al and Angie Berg. Together, we'll learn how to stand in victory each and every day. Live life set ablaze by faith, filled with purpose. Live life above your circumstance. Welcome to Victory Life Today. I'm Al Burke. And today we have a special guest, a friend of mine, Javan Smith from Atlanta. They have a church in Atlanta. They're part of the ministry there. And um, Javan, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? And and uh, normally I speak about my own accolades, but today <laughs> I just I just want you to tell us who you are and where you're from and give us a website and everything. Absolutely. I'd love to hear more of your accolades. I've heard a lot. I'd like to hear more, but we'll do that maybe <laughs> next time. I'd That's love. right. But my, we would need a longer program. I see. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, right. So my name is Javan Smith and my wife is Dora and we've been married for 11 years now. We live in Atlanta, Georgia, and we have a church that my parents pastor in Atlanta, Georgia called the Solid Rock of Atlanta, where we serve full time. We also have a ministerial organization that uh, we launched a few years back where my wife and I travel uh, to other parts of the world, Philippines, India, Uganda, Kenya, Mexico, and the Lord's opened doors. He's been very faithful. We only walk through doors that the Lord opens. We don't help him out and try to Praise open God. our own doors. But we've had a lot of doors open, and so we've traveled. Our ministry is called Java Reg, J-A-V-A-R-E-G. I know that's super confusing for a lot of people. That's a combination of our two names. And I've had people, I had a guy tell me one time, said, the ministry your name sounds like the name of a reggae band. <laughs> so, okay, I don't know if that's a compliment or... But anyway, I had one guy one time, he was going to say, we want to support your ministry. What's the, what's the website? And I sent it to him. And he wrote back, he said, Java Reg, is that a typo? No, it's not. It's our ministry name. So if you want to look up our website, it's javareg, J-A-V-A-R-E-G, dot net. And we're trying to update the content there. You can reach us there. We'd love to hear from you. That's where we are. Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks. And thank you for coming today. Oh, thank you for uh, having me. You know, I, it was interesting. You talked about, you know, open doors. Right. We don't open them. Absolutely. And that's the way we've done it here at Victory Life. We just don't push any doors open. We just wait on God. Right. And um, I know people that have said, you need to knock those doors down. <laughs> Just want you to know, whatever you start for God in the flesh, Absolutely. you will maintain That's in the flesh. Exactly right. But when you, when God says the doors open, then you need to walk in, and a lot of people don't walk in. They now they're scared. And when God opens a door, walk through the door. God will provide. You won't have to maintain it. You have to show up. But um, and that's your part in the whole thing. It's it's like it's like a partnership between you and God. But God, it's always God led, and God has wonderful blessings if you'll just do it His way. Yeah. Which sometimes you know we were talking about how that little tether. We, you, you know, I always say, okay, God, you got ninety percent of my life. <laughs> what? You know what I mean? And God would say, no, if I don't have it all, I have nothing. So give it all to God and just. Release your life to him and, and let him bless you and walk through those doors that he has for you. So go ahead and share a little bit uh, today about what you God's put on your heart. Well, I love what you just said about the whole, God, you've got 90% of my life. And a lot of times we'll pat ourselves on the back for giving God 90%. Well, I gave 95. Well, that's even better, right? Even better. And yet it's all or nothing. And that's what I've come to learn, this total surrender that 
When it says your life is not your own, you were bought with a price. The Lord began to talk to me about what that meant. Years ago, we, when my grandparents, my paternal grandparents passed away, 2010, and so we sold their house in South Carolina. And when we sold their house, the new owner absolutely gutted the house and we didn't like what he did with it. My grandparents had built the house. All of our memories were there. So there was a lot of nostalgia. And the new owners came in and absolutely just gutted the house. And my, my, actually my granddaddy had passed. My grandma was still alive when this happened. And so she was a little bit offended, of course. What, what was wrong with the house the way it was? And so there was the temptation to try to tell the new owner. Of course, I would have loved to have told him, hey, the house was great the way it was. Why are you changing it? And yet I had no right to do that because the house no longer belonged to our family. It had been bought with a price. It belonged to the new owner. So I got to thinking, of course, my wife and I, we, we also, we bought a house back in 2015. We closed and right after the Lord began to speak to me and say, imagine if when you bought your house, if the person that sold you the house were to come in and say, now you're welcome to do whatever you want with this house. It's yours. But the kitchen <laughs> and the master bedroom took me a long time to get them just the way I like them. I worked hard. I put my blood, sweat, and tears into making the kitchen and the master bedroom just to my liking. And so you're, the house is yours. Do whatever you want with it, but don't change these two rooms because I put so much of my effort, my time, I invested my money into making it just the way I want it. So change everything except those two rooms. That's laughable. Can you imagine buying a house and the previous owner, or if you sell a house and you try to tell the, the new owner, hey, change everything except, even if it's as small as the bathroom, you can change everything except this one bathroom because it's very special to me. That's absurd. And yet we do the same thing. All we're the time. bought with a price and we're purchased the by the blood of Jesus. It says in Ezekiel 16, 8, it says, you became mine. So when we became his, how can we try to retain any part of our life and just say, Lord, you can change everything except that one room because I like the way I've made it. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It really, it really is. is. Of course, if it was me, I would, that would have been, oh, you, you want me to keep the bathroom? I would have changed that first just, <laughs> just, to, just to do it. <laughs> just to but, you know, I had someone who, uh, she was pretty generous with money, you know, and it helped us. But everything came with strings attached. Oh, wow. It was... If That's you, the type of control. It's it's t keeping using the money to control. Absolutely, and particularly a lot of ministries will get caught up in that. I've seen it happen. And they they need the money, and what happens is they always spend too much. Now they need the money. Now somebody with the money comes in and starts controlling them to some degree. That's right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like a shareholder, we it, get to call some shots now. Because we get we, to, but you don't. That's right. If you give money to a ministry or anybody, anything, make sure you give the money with no strings attached. It, it's theirs. Once you give it to them, it's their money. And if they want to do what you would think is something stupid with it, that's their call. That's a great point. And you have to just, re especially if you're down at the church and you're giving money to the church, maybe a lot of money. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, people do it all the time. Some people give a lot of money. Right. And if you're a giver at the church, that's great. Just make sure you give it with no strings attached or you're losing your reward. God yeah. wants to reward you for what you do for the kingdom of God. You're saved by grace. Right. But the rewards come by following what he's telling you to do. By all means. And make sure you're not following God 95% or 90% in his case. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah you but, were more spiritual. Yeah, yeah I, that's the way it is. Absolutely. But... <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> make sure you're following God 100%. Just give it all to the Lord. And I'll tell you, the blessings will flow. I'm telling you. Right. And the devil will be so mad at you. Right. You know, I stood up many years ago one day <laughs> and I said, I'm going to have everything Jesus died to give me. Well, you're going to wind up in a war because the devil says, no, you're not. Absolutely. But if you will maintain mm -hmm. and you won't give up and you won't change my success in Christianity is I don't change my mind and I don't give up. Take those points and run with it and you'll be blessed. God will bless you in your life. And when you pray, it'll be like, what do you want? Right. Instead of praying and it's like, where is God? You right. know? So go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just no. I'm if it was up to saying. me, I'd do the whole show. I'd love to hear what you have to say <laughs> more. But it's you make a great point when you talk about no strings attached because you know just as I was saying total surrender. It can't be partial surrender, but it also can't be conditional. Exactly. Surrender to where, okay, Lord, if you'll do this, this, and this, then I will do, and you're you're negotiating. You're negotiating, like, like you're putting, here's this money, but you got to use it this way. It, absolutely. It doesn't, yeah, right. it doesn't work that way. No, right. I, I am his. I was purchased. I was bought with a price. And so we, we tend to do that whole strings attached with God. And I'll tell you a little practical example, just a little illustration of what that can look like. Years ago, I got as, as a gift from my wife, I found this special offer on the internet, don't always go for special offers on the internet. That's a topic for another day. But I found this special offer on the internet of this excursion going out in a hot air balloon. I'd never done that before. She had never done that before. And so we thought, well, this will be fun. Just know what you're getting into. So I'd seen, you know, they have the whole festival in Albuquerque. And I've watched things on TV, but I thought it can't be what it looks like where you're just in this basket in air, you know, suspended. You're walking around a basket, no, uh, no type of seatbelt or any type of protection. You're just walking around at whatever. It gets up to really high. You're talking 10,000 feet sometimes. It's very, very high. And I thought it can't be what it looks. It's exactly what it looks like. So it's a little bit jarring because we actually watch them inflate this balloon. Yeah, <laughs> and we're, yeah. you know, you're I've really thinking it's incredible and you're watching it happen. You're thinking, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know what I'm getting into. I don't have a fear of heights, but I have a healthy respect for them now after trying this. So we got into this hot air balloon. I won't tell all the details, but uh, I, I was paranoid and uh, someone was asking questions about weight distribution. I was a lot heavier back then and, and I, I thought maybe it's good that I'm a little heavier. I can try to counterbalance this thing. Well, while I'm analyzing everything, it starts to lift. I don't even, I'm not even aware we've lifted. So we start going up. We're about 15 or 20 feet in the air before I even knew we had begun to lift. Sometimes God will surprise you. He'll start lifting you before you realize what's going on. And so we were lifting. And as we start to lift, all of a sudden, the man, you have to be a licensed pilot of some sort by the FAA to operate a hot air balloon. Wow. I didn't know that. And I don't know what they call these guys, the balloonist. I don't know what's the appropriate word. But I heard him say, oh, no, that's never good. Right? You're in the hot air balloon and the guy that's, the, that's flying it, operating, he says, oh, no. That's the one <laughs> word I didn't want to hear. So anyway, the oh no wasn't really that big a deal. What had happened, there was a rope. You were talking about the tether. There was this rope that had kept us tethered, not to the ground, but to his son's pickup truck. We're out in the middle of nowhere. His son had a pickup truck. And so this rope had us attached to the pickup truck. And he said, well, we can't, we have to cut the rope. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, it's okay, right? I mean, it, it, now, of course, if we'd fallen from that height, it still would have been catastrophic. But yeah. at least I felt some sense of maybe false comfort or some tinge of control, just knowing that we're attached yeah. to earth in some measure. 
So he said, we got to cut the rope. And I told him, I said, it's not a problem. Let's just leave it as is. And we can, <laughs> this is what I tell you, you'll laugh at me. But I said, we can just let your son drive the truck oh, sorry. and par- kind of parasail. Oh, that's hilarious. Right? <laughs> and so kind of this country style parasailing, right? And he said, no, that's not how the experience works. See, he said, a hot air balloon experience, you have to let the currents of the wind carry you. That's how you, now you, you can't actually, when a hot air balloon, you can't steer it. You really can't determine the direction. All you can determine is the altitude. And then it's wind currents that carry you and you have to let the wind take you. And the wind can't carry you anywhere if you've got, even that one rope is that, like that one thread. So it's nice. It, it, it gave me a sense of control, just having some connection to the earth. But he said, you won't get the experience. See, I thought I could tell people, oh, I've had the experience of flying in a hot air balloon. He said, you haven't had the experience till you let the wind carry you, right? So I, it's like we're, with God, God's got this wonderful experience right. taking you higher. Right. And we, we got this rope we're holding exactly. on to. And exactly. we're trying to like, ooh, what's going to happen? Absolutely. Well, let me tell you something. Whether you fall 40 feet or 400 feet, <laughs> right. it's over. It's exactly. But somehow it's 40 feet, you know. It and feels it's, a lot better. It's like when I'm on an airplane, it's like, let's fly low. Right. Because I feel it's ridiculous. Right. It is. Well, the, what the Lord began to show me, even though I was paranoid and I was a little bit scared, I was still sensitive to the spirit. And the Lord began to speak to me. And I thought, once I calm down, there's going to be a sermon here I can teach from this. Right? Yeah, I have a message. Yeah. But what the Lord spoke to me was very profound. And just as it said, the hot air balloon, right, has to be carried by currents of the wind. Well, Jesus compared the spirit. In John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, you read the whole dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus in John 3. It's where we get that famous John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And in that same conversation, Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes, and you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. Well, if you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going, that removes your control. The flesh loves to feel in control. I'd love to feel like I've got at least some sense of control. But you can't tell where the wind's coming from, where it's going. And Jesus said that's how the Spirit works. And so in the hot air balloon, for the currents of the wind to carry us, we had to cut the rope. That one rope was enough to keep the currents of the wind from taking us. Well, in the same way, whatever thread of control you try to maintain, whatever measure of control that you say, well, I've surrendered everything to the Lord except this one part of my life that I just don't want to relinquish. I want to hold on to this because this means a lot to me. And so it might be something simple. It could be something as much as I don't want to move somewhere. I don't want to sell my house. Or it could just be some simple part of your life you don't want to give up because you're trying to maintain a thread of control. And that one thread of control is like the rope tethering the hot air balloon to where the wind can't carry you. The Holy Spirit is not going to be able to take you where he wants to take you as long as you and your flesh try to maintain just one, even one thread of control. You've got to... Surrender it to the Lord. And I've come to realize that that is really what makes us usable. I, I used to wonder about the disciples. Have you ever looked at the disciples and just thought, these guys, was Jesus in a hurry when he selected them? I uh, know. It's almost like, 
where did you find these guys? Exactly. You know what I mean? Oh, he had the opportunity to put together the greatest dream team the world's ever seen of the most, uh, the most. we're talking even physically handsome, strongest, smartest, most intelligent on nope. every level. No. Nope. Um, he, obviously, he didn't know us, right? So I'm just that kidding. That was a problem. We, we weren't available. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if we had been there, he'd have grabbed us. Of course. You know, I, I just wanted to make a point right. about what you were talking about, that flesh always wants to maintain something. Right. You know, one little point. One of the things I found in my own life, if, if this is your life and you've, you've got this one little point that you're going to hold on to. Right. Right. And that's, so you're giving God 99%. God goes, what, just like that. What about this? Right, right on that one point because he right. wants it all. Absolutely. And he wants it all because he wants us to be free to receive the Absolutely. good that he has for us. And so in your own life, if you've given 99.9% to the Lord, he's going to put his finger on the one thing you're holding back. No, don't take this from me. Right. You know, and I knew somebody personally and, and God had moved him somewhere and it was a bad part of town. And they were so upset about moving there. And it was like, oh, my God, God sent us here. It was terrible. <laughs> they weren't there a year. And God said, okay, go. Wow. He just put his, he wanted to know, are you going to do it? That's right. It's part of that surrender. You know what I mean? So go ahead and finish the story before. Well, so back to the disciples, I was just thinking about what made them usable because you can find a lot of reasons why they should have been disqualified, which goes for anyone in scripture, right? You find Moses called himself slow, speech and tongue, not eloquent. Jeremiah said oh, he was too right. young. You could go on and on. But the disciples, we get enough of a window into particularly the big three, Peter, James, and John, to where I could make a whole list of what should have disqualified them. Yeah, right? oh, of course. Peter rebuking and Jesus. You probably couldn't find one thing why they were qualified. It's, it's almost, tough. It's tough. It's a lot easier to find what should disqualify. You got James and John. Jesus had to rebuke them for wanting to call down fire to disintegrate people. They had their mommy go ask for the favor of can you sit on the right and on the left of Jesus. You know, just things like that. And so... I wanted to study out what made these guys usable. And I came to two really big points. I can't develop both because of a lack of time. One real big point is that they were teachable. I wish I could tell. I really looked at the big three because there's more information about, P I call them the big three, Peter, James, and John. They, those were the guys with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Those were the guys with Jesus in Jairus' house when he raised Jairus' daughter. Those were the guys in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were there for the key essential moments. So I looked into them and I saw that they were Teachable. I mean, to the point that Peter actually got rebuked by the apostle Paul after Jesus ascended to heaven. Peter got rebuked and Paul openly rebuked Peter because Peter refused to eat with the Gentiles. And, and when that happened, Peter could have easily just said, hey, who are you? you the, you're the new kid on the block. You're the newcomer. I walked with Jesus while you were later on. You were still persecuting the church. killing right. Christians. And yet we don't see any evidence that Peter rejected Paul's rebuke. In fact, later in Peter's own epistle, in 2 Peter, I believe it's chapter 3, he talks about, he speaks in the highest regard of the Apostle Paul. He says, our beloved brother Paul, who's written these great truths, some things that are hard to understand. So Peter respected Paul. He learned from Paul. That says a lot about Peter. Uh, James and John, when Jesus rebuked them for wanting to call down fire from heaven, John must have been teachable because one of the things we know about John is he's the one apostle that I think had the greatest revelation of love. You read his epistles, oh, wow. yeah. and everything's, it's about love, love, wow. love. And yet this is the man Jesus had to rebuke for wanting to call down fire to disintegrate Samaritans. That's amazing to me. So look at the contrast. God they were willing uses, to I just want to let you know, God uses those that are willing to Absolutely. be used. Absolutely. Not necessarily the smartest 
or the best singers or the most beautiful or the most highly educated. You can be right. all those things, that's fine. Right. But he's gonna use those who are willing to simply do what he said. Absolutely. And that's what you see in those disciples. It's like, what would you would you want me to do? Sort of, they they got better okay. as time went on. But um, the so what I'm telling you today is, God is looking for your willing heart, right. not your great intelligence or you're so super at whatever you do. Maybe you have something you have to offer God and you're good at it. And I'm not arguing that point. But don't let that hold you back from just giving it all to cut those tethers. That's right. And 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 let God just take the, old, the whole thing and go with the, the spirit. And that was the other point. And, and really what I want to develop here, because the conversation is kind of going that direction anyway, but the disciples, the other key point, one was the teachable heart, but the other key point I believe that made them usable for the Lord was what they were willing to leave behind. Amazing. And, yeah, and if you take those three, in fact, if you take Peter and Andrew, his brother, and then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and it talks about in Matthew 4 when Jesus called them, uh, I think it starts in verse 18 in Matthew 4, where Jesus calls them and he found these fishermen and it says he found Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net for they were fishermen. When Jesus said, follow me, then it says in verse 20, then immediately they left their nets, which really symbolized all they'd ever known and followed him. Then you get to James and John going on from there. He finds these other two brothers, sons of Zebedee. And so it says, he said, follow me, verse 22. And immediately they left their boat and their father. And so what's really unique about these guys is what they were willing to leave. Peter himself even said, we've left everything to follow you. And so I believe that this is something that renders them usable to the point, not what you have. There was a lot of, probably a lot of qualities, attributes in the natural that they lacked. We're earthen vessels. We've got a treasure in earthen vessels. If you wonder, can God use me? Well, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 talks about we got treasure in earthen vessels. A lot of us are much more aware and conscious of the frailties of the earthen vessel than the treasure contained within. There's a lot of things that Peter and John, or Peter, James, and John, they lacked, even to the point that in Acts, it says that they perceived that they were unlearned, untrained men, but you could tell they'd been with Jesus. But what's amazing is what they were willing to leave. They to were leave. willing to leave the boat, their nets, everything they'd ever what known. And if you, the thing about if you try to carry your nets with you, I always try to encourage people, don't try to drag your nets along because it adds unneeded weight that it may not be a big deal at the beginning, but eventually it will slow you down. Plus, it represents a lack of trust. To say, I'm going to drag my fishing net in case Jesus fails me, in case this doesn't work out. I've got a safety Just net in case. to follow back. And I, and I remember saying, well, I don't know if I'm going to be satisfied with the way God wants me to live. He, exactly. The level of what he's going to give me. And it's like, well, if I'm not satisfied, I got to keep that tether. Exactly. Just in case, you know, I, I tell this story that years ago I had started a project. I was a businessman. I had a decent sized business and started a project of 600 homes. Mm -hmm. We did the models and the Lord said, it's over. Mm -hmm. Just it's over. Right. You know, and it's the whole thing. What's over? Sure. Are you sure? Right. You know what I mean? Is God sure? Right. <clears throat> anyway, the point is, I didn't count myself as the smartest, but mm -hmm. I was willing. I said, you know what? I'm just, I, in part, because I don't know that I could live with myself knowing right. God gave me an offer, come. Exactly. And I went, no. Exactly. So don't say no. Right. If God's calling you for something, say yes. So go ahead. Well, it's very go tempting. Ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's very tempting to retain your safety nets just in case, right? Just I need a plan B. And, and total surrender doesn't include having a plan B. You got to trust the Lord. It's all or nothing. And I remember my, my dad used to work for 18 years for an airline, had a great career. 
he was, he had this ambition of going far with it, but I'll make this very quick. It's a long story, but the point is, is he got a severance package to, to leave that airline and go into the ministry. When they gave the severance package, they gave him an option. They said, you can take what's called a five-year leave of absence. And they said, if this religious venture, they called it, that's what they termed it, doesn't work out, come you back. can come back to the company. Or if you don't take that option, you're completely severed. And the Lord asked him, do you trust me? I believe oh, wow. that if he had that was that taken that five-year of That's right. That would have been just, just in case God lets me down, right? I'll have this opportunity to go back. That's a lack of trust. So he had to cut... Just like Peter, James, and John, they, they left the nets, left their boat. Uh, James and John left their father. And so I believe what makes you usable is the willingness to cut away the safety net, cut away the tether that's holding the hot air balloon back. God said about Caleb very quickly, uh, when the servants, uh, Joshua and Caleb, when they went to spy out the promised land among the, with the other 10, uh, God said in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, God said, my servant Caleb has a different spirit in him. When you love, if people, when people say, there's something different about you, it's great when people say, imagine if God were to say, there's something different about you. So when God said that about Caleb, I wondered, what is it? And if you read Numbers 14, 24, God said, my servant Caleb, and that he has followed me fully. Do you know how rare that is? There's people that'll get into the boat, but they won't cut away the rope from the dock. They're willing to follow to a degree, then they pat themselves on the back that we did something. And that's good in a sense, but it's not going to work. They're not willing and, to and let they, go. They, they'll get that tether down to this teeny little string, <laughs> but it's still there. It's still, that one thread is enough to keep you from doing You know, that happened to me because when I left, I kept this one thing I kept for a while. Mm -hmm. And then finally I said, you know what, this is stupid. Exactly. Just just because it was the same kind of thing. I had to give up licensing and give up a bunch of stuff that would have been almost impossible to get it back. Wow. Well, I really want to thank you for coming here oh, today. I'm so blessed to be with we you. We enjoyed it. We had a great show. Absolutely. I'll come back and hear your accolades later. Well, it takes a long time. <laughs> so um, well, I want to thank you for coming and, and check them out on uh, their website. Check out their church. If you're in Atlanta, please go see it. I've been there and it's an awesome, awesome place. And I want to thank you, Javan, for joining us today. And remember, victory is always yours through Jesus Christ. And we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button for new episodes each week. You can help us by rating the show or by simply sharing this episode with your friends. Learn more about us and find tons of resources that will help you grow your faith at victorylifeministries.org.